Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is March the 2nd, 2023, uh, Thursday. So glad to have everybody on as we round out our week together um, and finishing up our time this week in John chapter 8. Uh, sometime over the weekend, I hope you'll take time to read John 9 so we can stay uh, on schedule with our reading plan uh, that we're following this year. So uh, we'll do John 8 together sometime over the weekend, uh, pick up John 9. Um, yeah, good morning, Trevor. Welcome, everybody. So glad you guys are on. Hope you're having a, having a good day. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, tomorrow's JT's birthday in the Roland house. That's the thing. Got a, got a birthday celebration tomorrow. 18. Can you believe that? We can't. He's 18 tomorrow. Crazy. Go buy that lottery ticket, I guess. Oh, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time in worship. We started doing this thing before um, before groups and classes on Wednesday night. Just started it really officially first time last night. Just about a half hour just in praise and worship and prayer. It was great. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that time. So, All right, everybody. Let's do it. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. So let's go for it. John chapter 8. Now, this is an awesome uh, story. Um, it's very likely that in your uh, Bible, as it is in mine, there's a little note there about uh, this story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And uh, something related to it's not in some of the earliest manuscripts. Um, in, or in some manuscripts, in, it's in a different location. Um, it's in a lot of manuscripts, but it isn't in the very earliest manuscripts. And the way um, uh, biblical authenticity works, like how you how you um, authenticate manuscripts of the Bible, uh, generally the way scholars approach that is earliest manuscripts. Those obviously those that are dated earliest, like the you know the ones closest to the actual events. Uh, are given more weight than those uh, that are older or are, in a sense, younger, uh, which makes sense, right? So, you know, if you, if you have a if you have your ma a manuscript that was written in uh, ninety, you know, whatever seventy A.D., and you have another manuscript that's written in seventy five A.D., you're going to give the one written in seventy A.D. a little bit more uh, weight because it was closer to the actual historical events. So anyway, this uh, story is not in some the earliest some of the earliest manuscripts we have, uh, we being you know, scholarship and 
humanity at this point, biblical scholars, uh, is this story isn't in there, but it's in a lot of the other stories. So, uh, or a lot of the other manuscripts. So, so what do you make of that? Well, it's very, I mean, it's very likely this, this was a free floating, uh, story from the life of Jesus, uh, that it was, uh, that it was being told and retold, um, because remember, the, the stories of Jesus were told orally by word of mouth before they were written down. And so, um, so it's very likely that, um, and it sounds a lot like Jesus, right? Like the story has all the characteristics of being authentic um, consistently uh, with the, the character and nature and ministry of other aspects of Jesus's life. So. But anyway, it's just worth addressing that. Um, so for me personally, I have no, I have very little uh, inhibition in uh, assuming this is authentic um, Jesus stuff going on here, that this actually happened. I have very, very little reservation. Uh, because it is found in a lot of manuscripts. It's just not found in the earliest manuscripts that we have. But it's possible that next year, we could discover a cachet of manuscripts that are older than anything we have yet, and this story is in there in John chapter eight. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, just because we don't have it yet doesn't mean we will never have it. Um, but just if you're just wondering what those uh, notes are for, that's what they're for. Let's read it. Let's do it. John chapter eight. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach them. So Jesus is back at the temple courts. He's teaching. People are gathered listening to him teach. He's having church. He's having church, and the people are listening and learning and growing, being challenged. Eyes are being opened to spiritual things. Verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Um, the uh, technical phrase there is caught in the very act of adultery. So she literally has been brought straight from the act, straight from the bedroom, as it were, into the temple courts. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus. So here you have this woman full of shame, embarrassment, uh, being uh, used as a spectacle uh, in the presence of, uh, at the temple. It'd be like somebody, you know, just being caught in some sort of sin, being brought right into the front of the altar at church and saying, hey, excuse me, excuse me, uh, this person right here. Humiliating. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, uh, or in the law, Moses commanded us to stone a sinner such, uh, what did I just say? Commanded us to stone such women. 
Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So, in, interesting, right? So, they're, uh, they're quoting the Law of Moses, saying that the Law of Moses commands us that women caught in the act of adultery, like this woman had been caught, should be stoned, should be killed, executed. They're not really concerned about her. They're not really even concerned about the law of Moses, per se. They're not really concerned about righteousness or the health and holiness of the community. That's not, that's not their agenda, right? Their agenda is to trap Jesus. Like, we want to get Jesus to contradict himself. We want to get Jesus uh, to lose uh, credibility with the crowds, to lose credibility uh, as a spiritual leader. And so they think that they have Jesus cornered here. Um, and you have to wonder, the scripture doesn't say this, but the, you have to wonder, in their eagerness to trap Jesus, if the whole thing wasn't a setup. Now, obviously, she committed the sin or whatever. There's no, really no question about that. Per se. I mean, the, the, the story doesn't really call into question whether or not she had actually sinned or not. It seems to be obvious she did. But you do have to wonder with their, with their eagerness to trap Jesus, if the whole thing wasn't set up, if the whole thing wasn't, if she wasn't baited so that she could be used against Jesus. Because it isn't about her. It isn't really about her. It isn't really about even the sinful act. It isn't about keeping the law of Moses. It's really about trapping Jesus. It's about we need to, cat, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to shame him. We need to end this movement he started. We need to uh, bring a close to whatever he's got going on here. Hmm. So in order to have a basis, they did all this, in order to have a basis for accusing him. But this is like savage Jesus, epic Jesus here, man. This is one of the most beautiful, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible in terms of like his, the encounters Jesus' encounters with sinful people. This, this is amazing. So Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Hmm. So Jesus doesn't, so this woman who's there, you know, half naked, being shamed and embarrassed and humiliated in every way, Jesus bends down to the ground and starts to write on the ground with his finger. Now, the, the million-dollar question, as you know, is what did he write? <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't know. We'll never know until we get to heaven what Jesus actually wrote on the ground. Um, you know, There's been lots of hypothesis and fun play with what he might have wrote. Maybe he wrote down the, the Scripture passage where it says that, you know, the, the actual law in Moses... That actually, that actually had um, ramifications for the man as well. Maybe, maybe he sat. Maybe he was writing some of surmise. Maybe he was writing down the sins, some of the sins of some of the religious leaders who were so eager to uh, shame her and stone her. Um, maybe he just wrote, "I love you." <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he just wrote to her, you know what? 
Maybe he wrote a message to her because her head was down. You know, she wasn't looking up. You know, she was looking down. Maybe he wrote a note, note to her. Watch this. <laughs> it's just watch this. Uh, have no fear. Fear not. Maybe she. Maybe he wrote fear not. Who knows? Who knows? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger when they kept on questioning him. Okay, so he's writing a lot. I mean, he's, kept, he's writing a few things here. They keep on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So Jesus is like, okay, you want to you want to work the law? Let's do what the law says, and that is whoever's without sin. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not I'm not asking for who's the accuser here. I'm asking you. I'm not. I'm I'm taking the spotlight off of her as a, um, uh, as the as the person who's standing before the judge, and I'm putting it on you. So you can do this execution thing, but first, let me ask you something about your spiritual life. Let me ask you about all of your spiritual lives. Whoever's without sin, be the first to throw, throw the first stone. Somebody has to start the execution. And Jesus says, okay, the criteria to start this execution is simple. If you have no sin, then you can start the execution. Once one person starts, they can all join in in the execution of stoning her to death. But you just need to find one sinless person. Now, the irony, of course, is what? There is one sinless person in the crowd. It's the one riding in the dirt with his finger. And he doesn't pick up a rock, he writes in the dirt. Hmm. That's Jesus, man. He doesn't pick up the rock. So he says, any one of you without sin be the first to throw a stone again. And, hurry, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He wrote something else. Maybe he wrote the man's name. The man that should have also been up there just, you know, standing before everyone. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. Face to face with mercy, man, right here. This is beautiful. With the woman still standing there, so just Jesus and the woman now, there's none without sense. They've all dropped their stones and walked away. I just, I imagine the, the dropping of those stones. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Mm. Woman, you are you're no different than they are. <laughs> they are no different than you are. Yes, they've humiliated you. They've publicized your sin. They've made a spectacle of you and their in their in your sin. But you know what? I just made a spectacle of them. Because them by them turning away and walking away, they have just uh, condemned themselves. They have just publicly admitted that they're full of sin as well. And so Jesus asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Mm. Now, the, Jesus is the one who could start the stoning, right? Because he is without sin. But watch this. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Wow. 
Praise God. Go now and leave your life of sin. Be different. Live as a free person. Leave as, live as a forgiven person. That's a great reminder for us, man. Jesus looks us in the eye. He forgives our sin. He says, now go. Leave your life of sin. Go and live as a free person. Go and live as a redeemed person. Go and live as, a, as my child, as a, as a forgiven person a person who has received mercy. I love that. Verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hmm. We won't walk in darkness because we'll walk with Jesus and Jesus will provide light, right? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Why? Because he's the light. So as we're following him, we're following the light. So we'll never, we'll never walk in darkness as we're following him. We only start walking in darkness, what? As we depart from him. Because he's light. So anywhere he is, it's light. So as we walk with him, he, we're always going to be in the light. He's like, uh, you know, like on a lampstand. She's going to shed light everywhere he is. So as we follow him, we're in the light. We only uh, walk in darkness as we turn away from the light. We'll have the light of life. Verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your, as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. you got to have two or three witnesses to validate a truth claim. Jesus said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I, look, he's, first saying, he's saying, first of all, uh, yes, I'm God. So, yeah, my, my, I can validate myself, but... But even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from, I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. So in fact, I do have those who will... I, first, I don't need validation from anywhere else, but the truth is there I do have validation. I stand what with the Father who sent me, and in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and the other one is my father. Myself and my father. There's your two witnesses. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know the father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the, where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So he's saying things that, things that are uh, inciting uh, people, uh, religious leaders, but no one's laying a hand on him. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Mm. You're going to die in their sin because they're not going to seek him as Savior and Lord. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that what he said? Is that is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? They don't get it at all. But he continues, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Man, that's pretty heavy. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? Like, if you don't believe in Jesus, you will die in your sins. You know, why is there an urgency to share the gospel? Why is there an urgency for evangelism? Why is there an urgency for people to come to Christ? 
because without him they will die in their sins. Wow. If we do not believe in Jesus, people who do not believe in if we do not believe that he is sent by God, if we don't receive him, we will die in our sins. Verse 25, who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Like, man, I've been, how many times am I going to tell you this? I've been telling you the whole time who I am. I have much to say in the judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed him. It's like, you're not going to get it. Some of you will get it finally when I'm lifted up on the cross. You'll finally get who I am and what I've come to do. You'll finally get it then. But, all, but know that the Father is with me all the way through from beginning to end. He never leaves me. He's pleased with what I'm doing, offering my life for the sins of the world. To the, uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are already my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hmm. Yeah, people love that phrase right there. You, you shall know the truth, and your truth will set you free. That's, yep. Um, Jesus, but the, the, full, the context of that passage is Jesus' teaching. <laughs> if you hold to my teaching, and you are my disciples, what? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You can't even get to the truth unless you're a disciple of Jesus. You're going to come up with some kind of variation of what you feel like is the truth. But if you want the truth, the truth, big T, not a truth, not your truth, not your mama truth, not your daddy truth, not your own truth, but if you want the truth, the truth will set you free. But you, we, you, we get the truth by being disciples of Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, what? Then, if you're my disciple, you're holding to the truth and you're my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can't really know the truth without being in relationship with God through Jesus. You're going to come up with your own junk. And that's not going to, that's not going to be, and that's likely not going to be the truth. It's going to be something else. And you're going to be wondering why it's not setting you free. It's not setting you free because it's not the truth, because the truth is connected to Jesus. <laughs> so. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs for, to it forever. So if the son sets you free, come on now, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thank you, Lord. I know that you're Abraham's descendants. Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Ooh. He's like, you're listening to the, the wisdom of this world. You're listening to the Father of light, the Father of this world, the Father of darkness. I'm trying to tell you what the Father, the Father, the God the Father is saying because I've just come from his presence and I'm trying to tell you 
what he's saying, but you're not listening. You're listening to your father, which is, you know, the world. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, <clears throat> you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. <laughs> you're worldly. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself, Jesus said to them. If God were your father, you would love me. Ooh, ooh. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Whoo, Jesus bringing straight fire right here. He ain't even holding back, y'all. He, he ain't even playing. He ain't even throwing jabs right now. He going straight at it. You belong to your father. Who's our father? The devil. That reminds me of our teachings in Revelation, where it's, you know, the mark of the beast. There's only two marks, guys. You know, I don't want to get the mark of the beast. Well, there's only two marks. There's the mark of the beast, and there's the mark of Christ. So you're carrying one of those two marks. You know, like If you're waiting for like some assembly line where you get a mark of the beast put on your head and, and, and arm, you're missing the point. You are already carrying a mark. You're either carrying the mark of Christ on your forehead and on your hand, or you're carrying the mark of the beast. And that's the same similar thing Jesus is saying. He said, you have, you, your father is either God or your father is the devil. And the way they're acting and the, the place where they're coming from is they, they're revealing who their father is. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, and there's no such truth, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. You know, some people their native tongue is lying. <laughs> my uh, my first night, my first English is actually my second language. My first language is lying. <laughs> Maybe you know some people like that. Um, yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If you're from God, you're going to hear the word of God. You're going to hear what God says. And if you're not, you're going to totally miss it. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. God is seeking my glory. God the Father is seeking to glorify me, Jesus says. I'm not trying to seek my own glory, but God is seeking to glorify me. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys the word will never see death. That's a good promise. As they exclaimed, at this they exclaimed, Now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Hmm. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Through, though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. <clears throat> Jesus is throwing smoke, man. 
if I didn't, if I wasn't just being honest that I am who I said I am, that I am God, uh, I am G, I am the Son of God sent by the Father to obey the Father, speaking the words of the Father. I'd be a liar because that's exactly who I am. I am here to speak the truth. I am the Son of God. I am being sent by the Father, and He will glorify me. If I weren't honest about that, I'd be just like you. I'd be a liar. But I do know him and obey his word. Verse, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Wow. He saw it and was glad. Wow, wow. You're using Abraham as it, but realize Abraham rejoiced that, that I'm here. Abraham longed for Messiah to come. You are not yet 50 years old, they said. How? And you, you've seen Abraham? Verse 58. Very truly I say to you, Jesus said, answered, Here we go. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up the stone, picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Wow. Beginning of chapter 8, they're trying to stone this woman who's caught in the act of adultery end of the chapter, they're stoning Jesus because he's declaring his divinity and his lordship over all. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. God is good, man. God is good. Thank you guys for spending this time together. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for a chance to spend some time in your word with my friends today. Pray your blessing upon them. Lord, thank you for all that you, so much stuff you've taught us in that chapter. Um, your forgiveness, your mercy, um, your compassion, your power. Uh, Lord, we seek to be followers of yours so that we can always be in the light. We seek to know the truth, and we know that by being your disciples and being in relationship with you, we know the truth, and the truth that the truth sets us free. God, help us to walk in the truth. Help us to be children of light always. God, I pray for my friends today, whatever special needs, requests, concerns they have. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them, Lord, that you would touch them and uh, heal them, touch them and give them courage, touch them and give them encouragement, whatever they need. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.